name is AC, like Tim said. Uh, I've had, so I've been on like a church staff somewhere for like the last 10 years. So I've had like a bunch of opportunities to do my first like lesson in different venues and stuff, but I've never been like the first for someone else also. So like today is like the first time you've had someone on staff preach that wasn't Tim. That's a unique thing. It's a little humbling for me, to be honest. Uh, And if it doesn't go well, just blame Tim because he hired me. Um, But I'm excited because we are talking about who we are as, as a church. And Lauren and I are excited to be here. We're excited to, at the dinner on Friday night, Lauren just shared, we were excited to watch our son Benji grow up in this community. I mean, this is a great church for anyone to be a part of, and we're excited that we get to be a part of it and and have these responsibilities. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know a lot more of you better and having the responsibilities with community groups and missions and just kind of like whatever else Tim tells me to do. So uh, I'm really excited about that. And importantly, this morning, I'm excited to open up God's word. So we're going to be in Hebrews 10. I'm going to start in verse 23. If you have a Bible with you today or a phone or uh, you know, if you want to Google it or whatever on Safari, um, just Hebrews 10, verse 23. And while you're looking for that, I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could gather this morning. Uh, we thank you for those who are able to join us online. And uh, we thank you for uh, just the people that are able to come together to study your word. We ask that you would encourage us, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, maybe even for the first time to see your truth and your goodness thought and uh, experience your love together, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here this morning? Why did you take the time to get up and get dressed and fight with your kids or fight with your spouse or whatever it took you to get here? Why are you here this morning? Or if you're watching online, why are you laying in bed eating cereals but watching this online? Why are you going through that effort? And for some of you, maybe you just feel like you're supposed to be. You grew up doing this every Sunday, and so it's just one of the things you do. You, you go to work, and you pay your taxes. You go to church on Sunday. It's like what you should do. It's what you ought to do. It's what your mom wants you to do. For some of you, maybe you want to be here. Maybe you have a community here. You've, you've experienced something here that's different, that's unique, and so you want to be here. And for some of you, maybe you need to be here. Maybe you've tried everything else. You've, you've had experiences with trying to make enough money or, or have enough success or you've tried enough alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, you've, you've, you just feel like nothing else has worked, so maybe church is it. It's the last thing you got on the list, right? Your marriage isn't working, school isn't working, work isn't working, like your life just doesn't feel meaningful or purposeful or just satisfying. I mean, the reality is, to be honest, like in different parts of my life, I felt a lot of those things in different seasons, about church. Some Sundays I just felt like I had to be there. Some Sundays I wanted to be there, and some Sundays I just, I guess I should just need to be there. So why are you here this morning? Truth is, this year's given us all a lot of opportunity to reassess everything we do because there was a hard stop on 90% of what our lives contained. And we had to look. What did we miss? What were we trying to accomplish? Were those goals important, really? And what about church? Maybe this is something that you're just starting to add because after this past year, you, you need something else. You need something for hope. You need something for peace. You need something for joy. Or maybe this is something that you've always had and you missed it and you longed for it. But as we gather together this morning, we're trying to remind ourselves that there is a purpose in what we're doing here. There is power in coming together to sing and to pray and, and to study God's word. There is a reason that the church has been doing this from the beginning. And there's a reason that we continue to do it every Sunday here at Phoenix Bible Church and at other churches around the valley and at other churches around the world. There's a purpose in what we're doing here. 
So as you look at verse 23 with me, uh, follow along as I read. The author says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That word confession, it, it means like saying the same thing. It's, it's almost like an oath. It's something that you agree upon as a group. It's this thing that you continue to remind yourself like this is what our hope is in. It's the gospel. If we're talking about the power of gathered gospel proclamation and praise, that power comes from the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died and rose again. It's what we celebrated on Easter. It's what we're gonna celebrate for the rest of our lives and into eternity that Jesus died on the cross for us that his death and resurrection gives us a new hope, a new life, and that we wanna live that out. But the reality is, is that for most of us, the gospel is just like fire insurance, right? You, you believe in Jesus, and we kinda of like don't go to hell, we go to heaven, and, and then it's just kinda of it. At least that's what it feels like a lot of times. It feels like it's just sort of a get out of hell free card. Uh, last time Lauren and I, Lauren's my wife, last time we went to California, she was telling me this story about her grandpa who, who lived in San Diego. Uh, he's probably about 90 years old and uh, Lauren and her family lived here. So he was coming out to visit. And he's the kind of guy that woke up early, wanted to make that journey as fast as he could, get over here. Uh, and if you've made that drive between San Diego and Phoenix, you know there's just a bunch of like open road, farmland, desert, like nobody around. Uh, so he decided he'd open up his car and just see how fast he could go. And he got it up going at about 100 miles per hour before those flashing lights were in his back window. And then the cop pulled him over, took his license, and just kind of stared at it. And he's like, sir, is this, is this date right? He's like, yeah. Realizing how old he was, the cop just was impressed, said, all right, sir, be safe, have a good day, and let him go. Now, the reality is that's a lot of times how we feel about the gospel, that Jesus just like died on the cross. He, he caught us, he red-handed. He says, all right, you're forgiven. Great, and you move on. But that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is like the cop pulling you over and still giving you the ticket, recognizing you're guilty, then paying your ticket and then giving you the keys to his own car to keep moving on in a new way, right? He's not just giving you forgiveness and like, pretending you didn't do it. He's taking that penalty upon himself and he's doing it so that you can have new life. And if you don't know what that means, what this penalty is, the reality is, is that God is good and righteous and holy and created everything around us, including you and me. And that good and righteous and holy God has a separation between us and him because we're not. I'm not. I'm far from perfect. We call that sin. Unrighteousness evil. That creates the separation between us and God. But God doesn't desire that. He desires us to be with him. And rather than just like get rid of us and start over, he created a path for us to be reunited with him. And that path took Jesus on the cross. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth to teach and to preach and to perform miracles, but also to die as a sacrifice for that penalty. Because the penalty of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the joy in Christ is life, being reunited with God. 
And that life starts at the point of faith. When you believe that gospel, it changes you and begins to continue to transform you. It gives us a new hope. It gives us a new life. It's not just getting forgiveness and and pretending that it never happened. It's healing and hope and salvation. We believe in an all-of-life gospel. You can look at our website. It's on there. We believe in an all-of-life gospel. And what that means is that it touches every aspect of who we are. It means that when I believe in the gospel, I'm a husband now, but I want to be a husband according to God's will. I'm a father now. I want to be a father according to God's will. I'm a mother, or I'm a sister, or I'm a brother. I'm like every aspect, every relationship, right? The jobs that we pursue, the things that we do in our lives, the people that we help, how generous we are, like just the characteristics of who we are get touched and transformed by that because the gospel encompasses all of our life. It encompasses how we live in this city. It encompasses how we view people around the world. It changes everything. It's not just a get out of hell free card. It is unlocking new life according to the will that God had intended for the beginning. And it gives us a purpose and the power to pursue that. And so when we gather together, we are gathering together in that power, in that presence, in that purpose, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting is coming to instill in our lives new hope. Holding fast the confession that Jesus is alive because that gives us new life. There's power in that. There's meaning in that. And it touches every aspect of who we are. The gospel is uh, changing us to bear Christ's image. Called sanctification. And like, that means like being made holy. What that means is that we're continuing to be made new. Right? The reality is, is that we are forgiven. Right? That is a momentary thing. You get saved, you're transformed. God has given you his, his right, Jesus' righteousness. He sees us that way but we're still tempted by our flesh, aren't we? We're still tempted to sin. We're still tempted to be greedy or to be lustful. We're still tempted to to go out on Friday nights with those friends we used to go out with. We're still tempted by these things at times. But Jesus wants us to have new life, to turn away from those things and to turn to him in a new way. We're being transformed continually. Uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 6, he lists this, this list of all kinds of sins. Like a bunch of different stuff that you can do wrong. And then he says this in verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. We are being changed. We have been changed and we are continuing to be changed by the gospel. And this is true for all our lives in every aspect. And so what we do on Sunday mornings is we come together to remind ourselves that this is true, that this is worthy of being the foundation of our lives, and this is something that's changing us. And we're reminding one another with that. It's not just what I'm doing up here. It's also what you're doing out there in your singing, in your praying, in declaring amen when you hear something you like. Like every aspect of just, even just like talking after this, that's something that we're doing by coming together. We're reminding ourselves that we're not alone. Because for most of you, you go to work and you feel alone. Like if you're a Christian in this world, you don't talk about it. In our culture, you don't really bring it up unless it's like Christmas or maybe Easter, like Kind of, oh yeah, I'll go to church on Sunday. And that's, like, no one wants to hear about it. In Phoenix, Phoenix is one of the most unchurched cities in the country. Nobody talks about their faith. 
And you may not feel comfortable talking about it unless you're like a GCU student. Yeah, they're, they're great because they have all kinds of opportunity. But you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to get in another fight with your family. You don't want to deal with that. See, we live in a world that doesn't accept this, that doesn't believe this. We live in a city that's rejected this. We live in a city that wants to carve their own path, make their own way, desire the things that they desire and pursue them wholeheartedly. That's, that's really what sin is, right? Sin is saying like, God created me, God made me. I don't really think he did. In fact, I'm a better God than God is. I can make a better path than God can. I know a better way for my life to stay out of it. I know what I'm doing. That's the world that we live in. That's the temptation that we feel Monday through Saturday to make our own path, to, to value the things that the people around us value, to, to wanna make more money or, or to wanna have more sex or, or to wanna enjoy life in a particular way more and just ha- define success as the world around us defines it. That's the world that we live in. And Monday through Saturday, it's beating down on us, right? It doesn't matter, like watch Netflix or YouTube, go on social media. Not to mention that, then our world is just kind of messed up, isn't it? Like it's a screwed up world out there. There's war and there's famine. And that's globally, let's just thinking about here too, there's division and strife. There's issues politically, there's issues uh, racially, there's issues socially, like all kinds of problems. People are arguing and dividing and, and, and pushing against and pulling against one another and, and trying to jockey for position, trying to gain more. Like this is a screwed up world. Can we be honest about that? There is pain and there is suffering and maybe it's even just in your own life, right? Your dad used to beat you or, you, or your mom just was never around. Your husband just neglects you or you don't feel like you have any friends. You don't feel like anybody cares about you. You don't feel like anybody knows you. It's a hard world that we live in. That's the result of sin. That's the result of rebellion against God. It feels a lot like death, doesn't it? It's pain and suffering and lonely. It's the result of these things. But we come together because the gospel says that doesn't have to be the way things are for you. And that doesn't have to be your future. This confession that we hold to in verse 23, right? It's a confession of hope. And let's hold fast to it without wavering. Let's hold fast to it without having all of these things pull and push. Let's hold fast to it together in a way that encourages us and gives us joy and brings us peace. Let's hold it closely. And the reality is is that the gospel is personal, but it's not individualistic. The gospel is good news for you. The revelation, there's this whole imagery. The end of the Bible, it's talking about the eternal life coming and there's this book of life and it has names written in it. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, your name is written in this book of life and it's being declared that that Tim is here and, and they're celebrating. And that's a personal joy. That's a personal relationship with God. You've been adopted as a child into the family of God. And even in the Old Testament, when we look at the examples of scripture, we see that God has personal relationship and does personal things with people. He anoints David. He gives strength to Esther. He gives a vision to Isaiah. But all of those things are imagery of God saving his people. 
right? That's a bear witness to what he does through David, what he does through Esther, what he does through Isaiah is always intended for God's people. It's not just simply individualistic, like David, you're good, don't worry about the rest of these guys. There's this picture that the gospel brings people together. We talked about it last week. If you haven't watched it, watch the sermon on YouTube. We talked about this idea that even national borders, political borders, any kind of like division that you can think of in this culture, it doesn't matter because the gospel should bring us together that we are God's people, that the unifying fact of Christ's death and resurrection should hold us as a community. And so when we read this, that in verse 24, we're supposed to stir up one another to love and good works. That's because God expects us to be coming together. The gospel gives us hope and peace and joy in being united. And look, like the reality is like online is great. There are some reasons for people to, to look and to watch and to join us online. And, and we're excited that we have the opportunity for that. Right? My wife, uh, her father died when she was little, but before that he was really sick. He was bedridden. And the only way that their family could do church together was if he was at home watching online and they were in the service on Sunday mornings like this. And that was a way for them to kind of experience that as one. And that's a great opportunity that things like the internet allow that it was never happened before a generation before but it's also not the same. It's not the same as having been brought together and having life together and worshiping together and singing together and praying together and studying God's word together in the same room. We were created for community and to be isolated and to be at home watching a sermon. It's just not the same. And so for some of you at home, we're excited to welcome you back. We're excited to have you come back. And for you here, like I'm telling you, there is a purpose in being here. It's not the same to just decide next weekend you want to sleep in and have French toast and watch it on your phone. Like there is good to come out of this. And the reality is that this is a privilege. I've been in countries where this isn't allowed. I remember going to a specific country uh, where you can't, you can't talk about Jesus if you're like from that country. You're just not allowed to. It's illegal. They'll arrest you. And I remember meeting with pastors and we uh, met with probably like five pastors uh, from this country. And in order just to meet with them, we had to go to this particular restaurant where they knew the manager. And then we, the manager took us down this like hallway and up these stairs and up to the second story and back in the back farthest table in this restaurant we could find just so that we could talk a little bit more openly. And it felt like we shouldn't be talking about it at all at that point. And when they meet with their church, well, they're meeting in houses like one or two people. They're not even coming together like, like this or in some smaller group. They're, they're just going to someone's house to talk to them, to pray with them, to teach them. They don't get to do this. And so it is a privilege, but it is also something that we get to have the joy in doing together. And so when we do that, there's a couple things that we really want to highlight. The first thing is preach, because Tim and I really like the attention of a bunch of people staring at us. Okay, maybe not. Right, we're stirring one another up to love and good works. That's not just what I think we should do in the city. That's not just what Tim thinks we should do next week. Like, what we're trying to do is live according to God's will. We're opening up his word and trying to understand what it means for the gospel to bear on the different parts of our lives. And so as we're doing that, well, we've, we've come together to experience that and to understand that and then to live that out and to come back and, and maybe be a little bit more corrected in some way and another way, 
right? And, and another example on another day, and, and it continues, right? Remember, we live in a messed up world. Every time we leave, someone else is trying to put us in a different direction. So we come back and, and continue to be reminded about that, that course of action that the gospel is trying to put us on. And the Spirit is empowering us, right? The Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our minds to transform us, to give us understanding. And the Holy Spirit works in this process. Like when I'm up here or Tim's up here, one of our, our friends from around the valley is up here teaching. Like there's a Holy Spirit moment that, that it's not just me talking. Like honestly, like I was called to be a pastor uh, sitting in a church like this um, and just sitting in, I was 19 years old. I was sitting in the pew or, or it's actually chairs kind of like this, a little more comfortable than these, but um, and uh, not much, they were still hard plastic. But, um, and I, but I was sitting in there and I was like 19 years old, I was in college, I just spent like my freshman year at ASU just like being a freshman at ASU, if you know what that means. Um, and I just realized like that wasn't the life I wanted. That, that was empty. And so I started going to this church and, and I was attending and I was, it was just there on a Sunday morning and, and all of a sudden this pastor was preaching, I don't even know who it was, I think I do, but I don't even remember at this point. And I really don't know what he was saying, but I remember sitting there and this Holy Spirit moment just coming over me and I, I stared at him and in all the like wisdom and unction of a 19 year old, I thought like, huh, I could do that. that. That was how I was called to be a pastor. But the reality is like, that was unique for me. Like I was a kid in high school or even in college, like I didn't wanna do a presentation. I didn't even like preparing for a presentation. Like that made me nervous. And so I'd sit it with like handprints from the sweat on my desk and like, like I don't wanna be up here. I don't wanna be up there. I don't wanna do this. But this is what God does. He changes us. Sometimes in gatherings like this, sometimes in community groups, sometimes one-on-one, but he changes us and he reveals gifts in us and, and he develops us in skills and natural abilities so that we can continue to do this. The reality is like, I don't wanna be up here, but I love being up here because there's purpose in what we're doing. Like if this was just about me, I wouldn't do it. But because this is about you and because this is about us, I wanna do it as much as I can. And the, and the thing too is like the way that we find purpose, the way that we find value in what we're doing is we're gonna confront the things that the Bible teaches us about, right? We, we don't shy away from hard truths in scripture. We, we continue to dive deeper because it impacts us. It changes us. Our, our city needs to hear the good news and that means we need to understand how to communicate that, how to live that out. Uh, one of the things that I like that Tim says is uh, we wanna engage culture and we wanna speak the truth and we want to uphold the truth, and we want to love well. Right? We want to engage culture, we want to uphold truth, and we want to love well. What that means is that we need to understand when the scriptures are teaching us something, how does that work out in my life? How does that work out in a friend's life? How does that work out in our city, in our country, in our world? That's one of the things we're trying to accomplish up here. So it's not just me like preaching to you, like stop watching porn, be a better husband, stop doing that, take better care of your, like I'm up here to help you. I'm up here to help you in all of your life, and this, even more so for Tim, because he's way more uh, intelligent than I am, um, so that we can understand what this means for how we live. That's what we're trying to accomplish here, and God has given us this opportunity to do that. Just for example, I mean, when we think about like politics, it's a little divisive these days, right? It's okay, yeah. All right, so... Thinking about Jesus telling, uh, someone comes to Jesus, they ask him, should we pay taxes? Right, no, taxes are terrible, don't pay taxes. That's not what he says. He takes out a coin, he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. What does that mean? Pay your taxes. 
But that's a bigger statement than we realize if we haven't thought about it much because Jesus is in the middle of the empire of Rome. The emperor is the one carved on that coin. This is an empire that has come in, taken over Jerusalem, put their power just like they did in every other land and country that they could and exerted it, extracted whatever resources they could out of it. They're oppressing the people there. Like when the people come to Jesus and say, hey, should we pay our taxes? Like this is fighting words. This is something that people don't wanna do. They don't just not wanna pay their taxes because they're ridiculous. You think your taxes are high here. They're way higher. They're like most of your money. You're left in poverty because these taxes are so high. And Jesus is like, hey, should you, are there to Jesus like, should we pay these? Even more so, these are people that they hate, right? The Romans have come in and oppressed them now for years, taken their country, taken their kingdom. And Jesus is like, looks like Caesar on the coin. Go ahead and do it but then also render to God what is God's image, which is us, right? Genesis one and two, we've been created in God's image. And if we're looking at politics like that, that's a whole different thing. Not just like, is this party right or is that party right? Is that path the way that we want our country to go or is this path the way that we want our country to go? Right? As Christians, we don't have that option. We have the option of like, what is God seeking for us to do as the church? Bearing witness in this world to the good news of Christ. That's something wholly, entirely different than no other party represents. That's what binds us together. That's what gives us hope in this world. But that means we better study his word intently because there's a lot more to learn than just red or blue. So that's what we're trying to do here. And then finally, like the gospel praise, right? This idea that as we come together, we get the opportunity that is unique to sing and lift our voices together. I don't know about you. I can't sing for anything, but I love it. Like I love music. I love what these people get to do up here. I wish I could do that. I think secretly like every worship pastor wishes they could preach and every preaching pastor wishes they could lead worship, but some of them try to do it. Usually it just seems a little prideful to me, but that's not judge. Um, some of them can. They're really good at it, and I'm jealous. Uh, but we get to do this, right? It's not just a concert. Like, we're here because singing does something for us. It, it stirs our emotions, and it instills even more in our minds an opportunity to remember what we're being taught, right? Kyle and Tim, I've seen them already. Like, they're intent on what songs we sing, what order we sing them in, why we're singing them, what they say each Sunday. Like, there's a purpose behind what that song is supposed to represent, what it's supposed to teach us, how it reinforces what the scripture teaches us that week, right? There's more than just like, hey, this is a great song on Spotify. It's number one. Every other church is going to do it this weekend. Maybe we should play it, right? We want to have a service that, that helps to bring us together to, to instill that memory. I, uh, so we used to take a trip to Jamaica when I was, I was at Bethany Bible for a while. We took a trip to Jamaica every summer, really easy way to get like high school students and college students to do missions. Um, but what we would do is we'd have this building that um, had this balcony. And where it was located, it was located on this like dead-end street. That's where we would stay. And on the balcony, uh, we'd go out there for like our evening devotions on this dead-end street. The thing that was that that street was like the place to hang out. All the resorts had bought up like all the like nice beaches and other like nice parts of the land. And so everybody that was local, this is where they would come and they would just blast like music as loud as they could in their cars and drive up and down the street, 
Right? That, that was like how they spent their night. There'd be like all of these vendors with little carts like for drinks and food and snacks. And, and then these cars, just like Jay-Z, like all the way up and down the street, as loud as you can get, thumping bass. But then there's like 40 cars, 40 different songs. This is how they would like hang out on, you know, pretty much every night of the week. And so on this balcony, we've got this music just blasting in our ears, trying to, trying to focus. But every night, someone would, would start playing a guitar. And we'd get together and we'd start singing. And as the song became more familiar, people would sing more and sing loudly. And our focus was drawn more into what we were doing than whatever else was going on around us. So that by the time that our song was at kind of the height, like it didn't even, you didn't even hear it anymore. You were just focused on what God was doing and, and worshiping together and, and the opportunities that you'd been having over the week. And, and that's this picture. Like we have this noise all around us, but we're gathered together on Sundays. And when we sing, we get to do that and refocus. And, and that noise just starts to quiet. That noise just, just starts to just disappear a little bit. And we know it's still there. And we know when we're done, we're gonna go back out there and it'll be there. But there's something in here that's changed in that process. That's what we're trying to do here. And it takes every Sunday because we're human. But we get to do that every Sunday together. We get to do that with, with everybody that's here, the people that aren't here today. Like we get to build a community around this. And there's power in that because there's power in the gospel. There's goodness in the gospel. There's hope in the gospel. Something else that we do uh, as a church and, and for the last 2,000 years as churches uh, is remember what Jesus did on the cross. So as you were coming in today, you probably had a cup like this. Go ahead, just hold it for a second, but take it out. Uh, we celebrate communion. Maybe if you've heard about the Lord's Supper. Um, it's just a memory of what Jesus did. Is the body and the blood of Christ. And so if you're a Christian, this is an opportunity in just a few minutes when the band comes up, they're gonna, they're gonna play some music and then we can open our, our uh, cups and, and take it when you're ready just to remember that Jesus has died for you. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, this is an opportunity for you to put your faith in him, even for the first time and, and, and just stop like listening to me and, and start talking to God and, and give him whatever it is that you need to give him, the, the confession, the profession of faith, like, like turning to him and understanding this for the first time. And celebrate what he's done. So when you're ready and the band's coming up, we'll go ahead and do that. But I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll take communion. God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to get together and, and to gather like this and to sing and to study your word and to pray and to celebrate communion in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. God, his body and his blood given for us. God, we pray that you would encourage us that there is hope in the good news of Jesus. That there's new life. We ask that you would continue to instill that in our hearts and in our minds as we go out this week. And give us the strength to press on. Give us the strength to build community. Give us the strength to seek you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.